1: This is the Joe and Amber podcast.
2: You never know what you're going to get here on Joe and Amber. Lots of sports talk, sometimes some Buffalo wings talk as well. And we all learned something on this show, or at least I did. I might be the only one who learned something here today that Buffalo wings are apparently from, you know, Buffalo, which makes a lot of sense. Again, it makes a lot of sense. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So I mentioned we talk a lot of sports on this show. Let's go ahead and do some more of that. This is our number two of Joe and Amber. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh here with you 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Monday through Friday in this time slot. Happy Friday the 13th, y'all. These teams that are in the postseason, a lot of them don't have the scaries for Friday the Thirteenth because, of course, they're gearing up for Super Wild Card Weekend, not just Wild Card Weekend, Joe. It is Super Wild Card Weekend, which, of course, makes it all the more super. But a lot of these teams, you can go directly back to the off season with moves that they made and predicted, and you could have predicted, frankly, out. Hey, if this move really, really pans out, they could find themselves in this position. I would say one of those moves that was more of an in-season move that I think was frankly the best move of the entire season was for the San Francisco 49ers because what the 49ers have done this season and with all of their quarterbacks going down and them having to deal with that adversity, Christian McCaffrey bringing him in mid-season was an unbelievable move for the San Francisco team that right now has Mr. Irrelevant playing under center and he's playing so well with weapons like McCaffrey that people have the 49ers possibly being in a Super Bowl like it ain't no thing which frankly continues to surprise me just considering that they are now in their third quarterback of the season.
3: McCaffrey's a huge move, but it's not like it took a genius to figure that out. They took up they took a ton of assets and they gave them to Carolina and they got a good player. The Purdy move is the one that stands out to me because everyone who wants to knock Brock Purdy says the same thing. Well, Kyle Shanahan's offense is plug and play. Any quarterback would be able to step in there. Shanahan's offense is a cheat code, not really. I was in the Bay Area for 6 years. I watched Nick Mullins play quarterback in San Francisco when Jimmy Garoppolo went down. He stunk. I watched C.J. Beathard step in at quarterback when they needed someone because, again, Garoppolo was down. And he stunk. There have been guys who have been given opportunities in this offense and have not performed. San Francisco's season after the Garoppolo injury is over unless Brock Purdy steps in and is able to manage the playbook and manage the offense. That is what has kept us alive. McCaffrey's a beast, no doubt. But the purdy acquisition as the last pick in the draft is gonna go down as an all timer if the Niners can win the Super Bowl.
2: Oh, if the if the Niners make it to a Super Bowl, it's one of the best stories in, in NFL history. I'm so if they win the Super Bowl, like this eclipses the Tom Brady story. We made this huge deal about Tom Brady, and I get Tom Brady has seven, but we made this huge deal about Tom Brady in the fifth round. This is Mr. Irrelevant. I believe a Mr. Irrelevant, isn't the statistic, has never even started in the NFL? Or is it not started at that position? I'm not
3: sure what it is, but it is certainly not one that's had any success whatsoever.
2: Any success whatsoever. They are normally always Mr. Irrelevant because quite literally they end up being irrelevant. This kid out of Iowa State is leading this team right now to not just a postseason, but they're on, what, a 10-straight-win stretch? I know he wasn't starting for all of those wins, but for him to be able to just pick up where Jimmy left off is an unbelievable job for a quarterback that now finds himself in a position where there's going to be expectations because of where he has set the bar. Frankly, if he doesn't meet those expectations, I don't think it's any knock on Purdy. I've been so impressed by what he's been able to do at this point. I'm not really sure, frankly, why we're all so confident that he's just going to go into a postseason When everything amps up a little bit and the lights are the brightest and that like he's going to be totally cool with everything. I know a lot of people do have the 49ers as a lock in the Super Bowl. I don't feel that comfortable with that, but it's a really, really good team. And Brock Purdy has done a phenomenal job here down the stretch. The Eagles, they brought in A.J. Brown to help Jalen Hurts. They made several moves. I would say that A.J. Brown move ended up being a huge move for that Eagles team.
3: A.J. Brown and then on top of that it would be the fact that the offensive line got healthy they had so many injuries last year Jalen Hurts was under duress when you have a young quarterback and you're trying to figure out whether or not he's the franchise guy whether or not you're going to want to pay him you got to make sure you protect him and you got to make sure you give him weapons because that way you can find out what he's got there's no point in drafting a kid in the top five or first round or early in the second saying you know what maybe he's the guy and then surrounding him with nothing for three to four years and then having to figure out whether or not he's any good it's the worst business you can do so for the Eagles credit to them they saw Hertz in action one year they realized offense isn't great we battled some injuries they got healthy along the line they bring in a big play wide receiver to go alongside Devontae Smith a first round pick out of Alabama and boom now all of a sudden they've got an elite offense so Hertz has been put in a great situation to succeed that move was worth every penny and That move probably got the general manager of the Titans fired because it was the game after Tennessee got blown out by Philly and A.J. Brown had a big game where the Titans fired their general manager after they had just given him an extension. They probably saw Brown on the field and thought, this guy was ours, we need a wide receiver, we had this guy, We've got to fire our GM.
2: Of course, that firing also kind of made the wheels fall off down there in Tennessee. But another team that tried to put all the right pieces around their quarterback this season, and I would say did so in terms of the right pieces. It didn't go as well as it did for the Eagles is the Miami Dolphins. They do find themselves in a postseason in large part because of those moves. Tyreek Hill. So similar type of thing, uh, you know, swinging and hitting it out of the park when it comes to the big time wide receiver. The O-line got shored up more in Miami in large part thanks to the addition there of Teron Armstead. That was huge. Now Armstead goes down with an injury, so that plan gets derailed here at the end of the season or towards the end of the season, but still a huge addition for that Dolphins team. And then we could talk about the coaching addition even of Mike McDaniel as well. Maybe McDaniel's not totally proven. I would say that Jags, Peterson, like that was a huge coaching change. Dayball in New York, like some of these teams that find themselves in the postseason, their biggest move was easily that coaching staff.
3: In hindsight, the stupidest conversation we all had back in the summer was over Tyreek Hill signing in Miami. (laughs) <laughs> the first stupid part of that conversation was, "What does it mean for Patrick Mahomes?" And the second part of that conversation that was really dumb was whether or not Tyreek Hill will succeed with Tua Tonga because he really benefited from playing with Patrick Mahomes. We had Mahomes.
2: that conversation maybe 150 times everybody, over the summer on ESPN Radio.
3: Everybody had that conversation. You know what ended up happening? Let's start with Hill. He goes to Miami. He he catches a career-high 119 passes for a career-high 1,710 yards. He's fine. Let's look at Mahomes. Number one seed in the AFC. Favorite to win the MVP award. He's fine. Like, never in the history of sports talk can you go back a few months and say, what a waste of time that conversation was because everyone turned out to be just fine. Everyone's balling. <laughs>
2: Oh man, we did waste a lot of time on that conversation and everyone won when it came to that deal. The Bengals kind of won a little bit with the addition of Lale Collins. I mean, that O-line really needs to be shored up in Cincinnati. The problem again with that O-line injury, you have Mack and Jackson for the Chargers. There's a lot of moves that we saw in the off season that are playing these teams into the playoffs. And so we can directly point back to, hey, just that move. So If your team is not in the postseason, I think the lesson is maybe they're just a move away, right?
3: I mean, Christian Kirk to the Jaguars was a huge signing. Again, young quarterback, give him a weapon. Kirk caught what? Uh, He balled this year. I had the numbers right in front of me. Now I can't find him anywhere. 84 catches for 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. That was outstanding. Alex Kappa, the offensive guard, the Bengals signed away Mm -hmm. from Tampa Bay. Like, you look at that move and you think, eh, offensive line. I can't really quantify what he does. Look at Tampa Bay. Brady's been under duress all season. He would love to have Alex Kappa on his offensive line.
2: Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, what will it take for those Tampa Bay Bucks to beat the Dallas Cowboys in Tampa on Monday night? We're going to get into that game. This is ESPN Radio.
1: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022
2: Tune in to NBA action tomorrow as the Heat toast the Bucks. coverage begins at 12 30 p.m. Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. Go Heat. Plus, we'll see who will be in the zone Saturday night. Get in the zone is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. We like to earn you some pizza money, some loose change that you can throw towards some pizza or any, you know, smaller item value of, or smaller item, smaller food item of your choice. I can't talk. You know what I'm trying to say? The point is, these are small bets. These aren't big bets. Just, Joe, you take it away.
3: Pizza money alert.
2: Pizza, pizza.
3: All right, we've given you two so far. The theme tonight is NFL Wild Card Weekend Props Edition. Number one was Daniel Jones, over 243.5 passing yards. Number two was Austin Eckler, running back of the Chargers, over 4.5 receptions. Number three, Geno Smith, Seattle Seahawks quarterback, under 225.5 passing yards. All right. San Francisco is one of the best defenses in the NFL. Duh, you didn't need me to tell you that. They're giving up just 240 passing yards per game on the season, but... This is not a regular game. There is going to be rain and perhaps wind in Santa Clara for this game, making it very nasty on the field outdoors at Levi Stadium. In two games this year against the Niners, Geno threw for just 197 yards in game one and 238 yards in game two. So his ceiling isn't exactly high between the weather, his production against them this year, the fact that it's the playoffs and the Niners should be able to run the ball and control the clock. We're playing Geno Smith under 225 and a half pats and yards on Saturday. Monday night
1: football. Playoffs, Cowboys at Bucks. That
4: was as uh, thorough butt-kicking as we've had this year. We're going to find out if that'll get you ready or not. They're mad at me because they said they're soft. This whole team soft, but they are. Dallas Cowboys don't
1: put back-to-back back
4: stinkers together like
1: this. you got to start with the most important thing, which is Dak Prescott's
2: interceptions. That has to change if they want to make it far in the playoffs.
3: The highest pressure cooker of any team in the entire league and try to beat the greatest of all time, that's a very tough
0: sell for Dallas Cowboys
2: the 12 and 5 Dallas Cowboys have to travel to the 8 and 9 Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night to close out super wild card weekend and that raises a lot of questions I think this matchup is maybe the most interesting of the weekend, Joe. Honestly, I'm really looking forward to this one because I could see this thing going either way. The Dallas Cowboys are clearly the better team. But, you know, Tom Brady's on the other one. And they have to go to Tampa to play this game even though Dallas of course has had the much better season and then there is the interceptions from Dak Prescott here down the stretch so there's a lot to this game the last time I looked and correct me if I'm wrong Dallas was favored by two and a half I believe according to our friends at Caesars look at me I'm trying to pick up what you're putting down coming along nicely getting a little bit better Tom Brady I mentioned him he is the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here was him at his press conference about playing the Dallas Cowboys not the best team that wins it's a team that plays the best wins I was a part of a team that won every game until the Super Bowl and we didn't play the best that day and we lost and you know you don't end up reaching your goal so I've been on the other end of it where I was a big underdog in my first year starting against the Rams and we played better than they did that day that's all it matters that's that's what single elimination is all about you got to be at your best you know hopefully all the preparation has got us to this point and we're prepared for what we're about to face a very very tough hard-nosed team that plays well it's been good for a long time and we're going to have to go play well. My favorite thing about that soundbite is that Tom Brady had to go back to his first year starting against the Rams, which was like 1947 to find the game where he was the big underdog. You know, he was like, oh, there was that one time, you know, 25 years ago when I was the big underdog against the Rams that cracked me up about that portion of the bite. But he's I wonder if he even
3: remembers that. Does he like even remember it? Was it so long ago? It's like a fleeting memory.
2: (laughs) Well, he does reference it there because it seems like he was upset (laughs) that he was the underdog. Like I was undervalued. Everyone was overlooked. Everyone was sleeping on fifth rounder Tom Brady over here in that Rams game back then personally I took it personally my first year there starting uh so Tom Brady has been through all of it before we know that he's not going to be intimidated by the fact that the Cowboys are coming in with a far fancier record and that they're coming into Tampa favored on the road but the reality is what Tom just said is true where he recognizes hey the Cowboys have been the better team this season but all that matters is who actually plays better on Monday night is there any chance that could be the Tampa Bay Bucks?
3: Yeah, without question. I mean, the Cowboys are coming into this game in really poor form. Last five games of the season, they barely got by the Houston Texans. They went to Jacksonville. They blew a 17-point lead and lost in overtime. They beat Philadelphia with Gardner Minshew barely by six points in a game where they were pretty big favorites. They played Tennessee on a Thursday night where they won 27-13, but it's a bit misleading. That game was more of a grind early on than people realize. And Josh Dobbs was starting at quarterback and half the Tennessee defense was injured, along with Derrick Henry. And then the final game of the season, you lose 26-6 to the Commanders. I know they really weren't motivated for that game. Prescott did play. He was 14 of. 37 for 128 yards with a touchdown and an interception. So when Brandon Staley's talking about being in form for the Chargers going in the playoffs, this is a team that's not in form. I don't know how you lay the 2.5 points with a team that's playing like this with their postseason track record against this Tampa defense with a quarterback who's turning the ball over like crazy. Prescott's got 15 interceptions this year. That's tied for most in the NFL, and he missed five games, which is just incredible when you think about it. On the other side, how do you back Tampa Bay? Because every time I ask that question, everyone brings up Tom Brady, right? Oh, it's Brady. Brady's the quarterback of the 25th ranked scoring offense that has hung 30 points in two of 17 games this season. Stop telling me about Brady. I know he's good. I know he had a good year. It's not a great offense.
2: Okay, that's true, but that's not completely fair to Brady because we are talking about the player that it wasn't on him. He wasn't the sole reason. He wasn't even really any of the reason that the Bucks were that bad when you pull the numbers in terms of offense. This is not Tom Brady's best year. But this ain't a terrible season by any means from Tom Brady. I mean, you and I have mentioned it numerous times. When you pull the stats, he was actually pretty surprisingly good this season. And then if you factor in the fact that he's 45 years old and doing it. It's, like, ridiculous. He should be graded on some crazy curve where uh, Patrick Mahomes cannot possibly compete. Because, like, Patrick, let me know when you're 45 and you're out there doing it. You know, as, as a woman in her 40s, Joe, I'm just – I marvel at that. It's really unbelievable. But I will say that the rest of this Bucks team feels very problematic to me. So, on paper, I'm thinking, yeah – Nod to Dallas. Dallas is the better team. It's very easy to see. They've been the better team all season. Tom Brady and the Bucks would not be in this situation if not for the fact that they play in a trash division. That's just the reality of the situation. The Cowboys have had to fight for their position far more than the Bucks had to fight for theirs even though the Bucs did a very poor job fighting for their position frankly this season and so this should be an easy win for the Dallas Cowboys and I just don't feel good about it because of the reasons that you mentioned because of the record and maybe it's not fair that we're bringing in also past postseason performances but it's hard to feel good coming off of what they've done here during the last five games down the stretch. I'm still taking Dallas in this game. I'm rooting hard for Tampa though in this game. I'd love to see Tom Brady make miracles happen.
3: That sets up a, a hell of a conflicting night for you on Monday. You're picking <laughs> one way. You're rooting for the other. Like, so, a no, it's a miserable experience. It's old,
2: no, it's the old win-win. It's the old win-win yeah. because I love being right. There's few things in life I like more than being right. So if Dallas wins, I'll be like, ah, I was right, you know, and I'll feel good about it. But if Tampa wins, because that's the team I'm actually going to be rooting for in that game, I'll be like, oh, great. Look at look at old Tom out there. still good." That's what we
3: call the old emotional hedge in gambling. You bet <laughs> against your team so that you either A, make money, or B, are happy because your team's advancing. I had quite a bit of money against the Philadelphia Eagles when they were in the Super Bowl. I had never been happier to lose a bet in my life.
2: That's a very smart way to do it. That is a very smart way to I don't play know about Smart.
3: I don't know about smart.
2: Well, that's smart from an emotional <laughs> perspective. You always have to protect your emotions when it comes to these games. That will be certainly be an emotional one on Monday night. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, what will be the biggest X factors in these this weekend's games? We're going to talk about it. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio, and you can listen to us on the ESPN app.
4: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
2: Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh hanging out with you. You can always get in touch with him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can get in touch with me as well at Amber W Sports. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career that you're going to love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits in one of the country's top workplaces. Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. So we've got Super Wild Card Weekend coming up this weekend. Big, big, big weekend, Joe, in the NFL. I want to talk about what the X factors of these matchups are. Let's get started.
1: Seahawks at 49ers.
2: Seahawks at 49ers. If you had to put your finger on one thing that's going to determine this matchup, what would it be?
3: the weather. Seattle relies heavily upon its passing game. That's why Geno Smith is your favorite to win comeback player of the year. But it's supposed to be very rainy in Santa Clara on Saturday. You could have some wind as well, which plays right into the hands of the San Francisco 49ers who bring A, an elite defense to the table, and B, a run-heavy rushing attack that is very difficult to defend. Weather's going to be the X-Factor Saturday morning in Santa Clara.
2: I don't have any reason to believe that Brock Purdy won't be able to handle the moment in the postseason, especially when we're talking about a wild card game. But it is different when you're one and done, right? And when you're talking about a post type stage. And we are talking about the guy that was barely drafted. I mean, that's just the reality of it. It's hard for anybody, any rook to come in, anybody to come into that situation at that position with those expectations and get it done. I am curious to see how he handles it. I do think at some point that will end up being the largest factor. Maybe the weather, like you said, is a more easy one to point to here for the wild card round. But I still think how Brock Purdy handles this postseason, I think, is going to end up being a huge factor for how this goes. I just don't know if it's as much of a given as everyone thinks it is, that he's just going to look the same here in the postseason as he's looked. Here down the stretch in the regular season, which has been phenomenal. What's next?
1: Chargers at Jaguars.
2: Chargers Jags is an interesting game, one of those games that I think we could see an upset. What do you have here as the X Factor, Joe? Chargers
3: fourth down execution. Everybody knows Chargers head coach Brandon Staley loves to get aggressive on fourth down. And believe it or not, whether you understand analytics or not, he's often making the right decision. The problem is the math never works out for him because the Chargers execution on fourth down is horrific. Like this, they should be converting way more than they actually are. So in this game, Staley's clearly going to get aggressive in these situations. Whether or not they are able to execute will be the difference in the game.
2: I was also going to go with Brandon Staley and his decision-making. I think that's an easy one to point to. Uh, The Chargers... I think should be able to be the team that gets it done here, but if things could go horribly awry if Brandon Staley takes too many chances. I think it's interesting there, you mentioned the analytics, because I always read that as well about Staley's decisions that actually according to the analytics, he is making the right decision that you're supposed to go for and it doesn't ever pan out. So when you read the analytics, like is he making he's just using analytics overall, right? I feel like if you pull the analytics for the chargers specifically though, they would say a different story because they're never executing properly. Like you said. On fourth down, right? Like, at some point, the numbers have to change based on your particular specific team, don't they? Like, you have to factor that into the decision-making.
3: Like, intelligence... Intelligent people understand it's not about the results. It's about the process. Focus on the process, get the process right, and the results will come. Well, the idiots who watch Brandon Staley's decision-making always focus on the results. Forget about those people. Focus on the process. The process is right. The problem is they're so flawed in their execution when they get to it, they just can't figure out how to convert a lot of these, but they are making the right decision. So, again, whether or not they convert is going to be the difference in this game against Jacksonville.
2: But if the execution is flawed then the entire process feels flawed to me, I guess is my point. So even if he's making the right decision by the analytics, maybe it's the wrong decision for him. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. All that matters in this business is results. They need to get past that Jacksonville Jaguars team. Otherwise, if Sean Payton wants that job, maybe he'll be able to get it. What's up next?
1: Dolphins at Bills.
2: I mean, the factor here is... (laughs) Can Skylar Thompson make miracles happen all the hold on you know what here's my biggest X factor Joe I'm going to say it before you even get to jump in the biggest X factor is going to be can Skylar Thompson score a touchdown because he certainly hasn't proven to us under center that he can get that done for this Miami Dolphins team and he's had his opportunities.
3: That's a good one. X-Factor for me is the first quarter of this game. Simply the first quarter. I feel like if the Bills, who are top three in the NFL in first quarter scoring and first half scoring, if they step on Miami early in this game, I think the Dolphins will quit. They don't have their starting quarterback. They know their chances of winning this game are slim. They know their chances of competing for the Super Bowl are even slimmer, if that's a word. It's going to be cold, and they're going to be so close to booking a Caribbean or Mexican or Hawaiian vacation that if they fall down early in this game, I could see them completely packing it in and getting absolutely rolled. So if you're the Bills, the X quarter here is the first. X Factor is the first quarter. Handle your business early and the Dolphins will go bye-bye.
2: I don't think the Caribbean vacation factor is as attractive to people who live and play in Miami as people might otherwise think. Not that the Caribbean's not attractive. It is as a destination. I'm just saying they know they're about to fly back to sunshine and warmth regardless. So it's not like they have to otherwise go spend a ton more time in the winter frostbite and so they're dreaming of laying on a Mexican beach somewhere. I do think, though, they would pack it in just because they're not going to be as good and that they're going to be so outmatched I don't want that to happen obviously those are my Miami Dolphins I will be there I will be decked out in Dolphins gear from head to toe and also because I'm going to be freezing as a Floridian in Buffalo New York so I'm going to be wearing tons of extra layers and a lot of it will have the Dolphins logo on it I just don't have any high hopes because it ain't like we're playing our backup quarterback we're playing our backup quarterbacks backup quarterback seems like a bad idea against Josh Allen the other (laughs) X factor in that game could I guess be Josh Allen's accuracy but that seems like it ain't gonna happen against that Dolphins D what's next
1: Giants and Vikings
2: X factor here Kirk Cousins Joe Fortenbaugh
3: No, not Kirk Cousins for me. It's the Giants' rushing attack. The Giants averaged six yards per carry against Minnesota three weeks ago when they played each other. 21 carries for 126 yards. They were very effective on the ground. If you can run the football, you can control the clock, you can dictate tempo, and you can keep Justin Jefferson and the Minnesota offense on the sidelines. That's the key. If the Giants are able to effectively run the football early in the game and throughout the game, they're going to be in it with a chance to win late. If the running game gets stuffed and Minnesota is able to shut that down – good night, because it's going to end up being a shootout via the passing game. And while Minnesota's pass defense stinks, it's going to be tough to just go head-to-head Daniel Jones versus Kirk Cousins when Cousins has a far better arsenal.
2: It's what the Packers did to beat the Vikings in the fashion that they did when Aaron Rodgers became not the most important Aaron on his team, right? You do need to run all over that Minnesota team, and then you certainly stand a chance. I think I'll still go with the low-hanging fruit here of the Kirk Cousins effect, though. It's a 4.30 p.m. game, but we're still talking about a win-or-go-home style game. Even though this game, of course, is at home for them. We're talking about a must win game, back against the wall game, biggest stage in the postseason. We know those aren't necessarily the moments that Kirk Cousin rises up to. Finally, here, what do we got?
1: Ravens at Bengals.
2: Ravens at Bengals no Lamar Jackson under center for the Baltimore Ravens we're not entirely sure why is it the contract like Sammy Watkins made us think so or is it the knee according to Lamar Jackson himself he's in a lot of pain either way it ain't going to be Lamar under center for the wrangle for the Ravens so this doesn't feel like that this game is going to have the sizzle to it that it should have otherwise had Joe
3: It's Tyler Huntley, because if he doesn't play, good night. This game is over. Anthony Brown, no disrespect, rookie out of Oregon. It's a real tough spot, and he was in a tough spot last weekend against the same Bengals team. They were 11-point dogs. He completes 43% of his passes. He has three turnovers, a huge fumble at the end of the first half, which is 100% John Harbaugh's fault. There was less than a minute to go, and they were pinned up inside their own five. Just get the hell out of there. Get to the half. I don't know why you had this kid dropping back, and then he gets strip-sacked, and the game goes. Haywire. That is on Harbaugh. So Anthony Brown, he's not going to be ready for this game. If you have Tyler Huntley, you have a chance of covering the 10 points. That's what I'm focused on. Covering the spread. If it gets the 10 and Huntley's playing, that's the buy point for me.
2: Tyler Huntley is certainly the biggest or bigger X factor, I would say, in this particular matchup. I do think the fact that Leo Collins is injured for that Bengals O-line is a huge loss for them this postseason. I know a lot of people think that the Bengals are a-rolling, and so they're going to be fine. We have obviously seen Joe Burrow and the Bengals do it last postseason. I just think that line, those line problems might catch up to them again. This is a very different line without Collins on it. That concerns me for the Bengals moving forward, but I would think Huntley is the bigger X factor in this particular matchup, a matchup I'd be way more excited about if we got to see Lamar Jackson under center. I don't know when we're going to see Lamar Jackson. And again, under center for these Baltimore Ravens, it'll be interesting if that is their last game, Joe, how much time we now have to spend talking about this contract situation before it gets figured out or before he gets tagged. But that's the, uh, it feels like that's the season we're about to walk into
3: gold for what we do for a living it's gold aaron Rodgers always being so whimsical with his off season mm-hmm. decisions lamar jackson now joining the mix james garoppolo is going to be a big talking point again this year throw Derek carr into the mix it's going to be fantastic for all of us for cincinnati Brady. don't sleep on this cincinnati team and that's us against the world mentality they are pissed off at the way the scheduling and the AFC seeding broke down with that game being canceled. It feels like to them they're personally aggrieved with how this is all going to shake down. They felt like they were going to win that game against Buffalo with the way the divisional rounds breaking down and the coin flip situation from last week. It's an us against them mentality or us against the world mentality, I should say. Do not sleep on the Bengals. They could be a very angry team this postseason. That
2: might be true. I don't have much tolerance for their anger coming off of that situation with Damara Hamlin. Let's be real. Like I I just I just don't really care about it. I don't have much time for it. I understand it, that they feel like they're getting the short under the stick when it comes to that. But somebody had to. And if only one of 32 is upset with the decisions that the NFL had to make coming off of that situation, then I think the NFL probably did a pretty good job. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Assurance. Coming up, it's your turn to give us your hot takes. This is the time in the show that we like to hear from you. We've already heard from many of you throughout the show today. We always appreciate your phone calls. We love when you try chime in. So go ahead and do it. 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. Anything you want to talk about, hit us with it.
4: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
2: 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday on ESPN Radio. Always here at this time for you. And we are coming down the stretch here on Joe and Amber. One of the things that we do on this show is several times a show, we try to earn you some pizza money. Let's do it.
1: Pizza Money alert.
2: Pizza, pizza.
3: Fourth and final Pizza Money of the night. Vikings tight end TJ Hawkinson. Over four and a half receptions. The Giants as a whole defensively are allowing about five receptions per game to opposing tight ends this season. That is eighth most in the NFL. Hawkinson, since being traded from Detroit to Minnesota, has done a really nice job with the Vikings, catching six passes per game over the 10 games he's played with the Vikings. But more importantly, look to three weeks ago when these two teams met in Minnesota. Hawkinson was targeted 16 times, 13 receptions, 109 receiving yards and two touchdowns. We don't need that. We just need him going over four and a half receptions for this game. So the fourth and final pizza money to go alongside Austin Eckler over four and a half receptions. Daniel Jones over 243 and a half passing yards. Geno Smith under 225 and a half passing yards. TJ Hawkinson, tight end Minnesota over four and a half receptions.
2: And that is how 13 black odd. No winner.
1: Spin the wheel. Make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play. Call a Roulette with Joe and Amber
2: And that is how it is done, earning you some pizza money. Now it is time for you to chime in to the conversation. You heard the collar roulette sound that I did not lay out for, even though our producer, James Steele, had told me to lay out for it. Uh, that's why I get paid the big bucks around here at ESPN Radio. 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. say ESPN, <laughs> That's how you join the conversation. That's how Christian joined the conversation. Christian, I understand you are in Maui. I love Maui. It is beautiful. What do you have for us?
4: Yeah, It's nice. Yeah. Um, so this has been bugging me for a while. In my view, a touchdown is worth six points, and pick six is worth six points. An interception doesn't mean anything. At the end of the day, a quarterback's career should not be judged by touchdowns to interceptions. Tell me what you think.
3: Well, what would you want to judge it by before you hang up?
4: Um, so just that. Touchdowns to pick sixes. Um, you know, a kick a ball... That release to a hit ball recovery is not an interception.
2: So you Um, only want quarterbacks judged on on the actual errors that they made, and you're saying that just saying interceptions isn't always a fair stat to quarterbacks because sometimes it's miscues by your receivers, I guess, is his point there. I don't know. That's the beauty of advanced analytics. Yeah, we have so many
3: numbers now. It's the beauty of advanced analytics is that you have people that are actively working to get through all the noise to find the signal. You see this specifically in baseball with fielding independent pitching and things of that nature. Football is the same way. There are guys trying to talk about things that eliminate these These outlier plays, a tip pass. You're right. It should not count against the quarterback if he made a great pass and the receiver tips it up and it's an interception. So that's hey, if you're for that, embrace the advanced analytics movement because that's what they're trying to do.
2: I like the old eye test. I can tell you who's good. I can tell the eye test will tell me Patrick Mahomes. That guy's pretty pretty good at playing (laughs)
3: some football. You don't say.
2: Let's spin the wheel. Kevin is in a place I get nervous before I say the name of because people who live there get very angry at you if you don't say it properly. Louisville? Did oh, I say it right? Man. Louisville? Yeah, well, I normally like yeah, go Louisville, but people get mad at me. What's Wolves. up, Louisville.
4: <laughs> yeah, it, it's fine. There's When you come to the airport, there's about uh, seven or eight different pron- uh, pronunciations on the wall. <laughs> so, obviously, nobody gets too upset about it. Um, I, just, well, I just took a little bit. I, I wanted to explain something because... There's not, there's not an outrage. There's just a feeling of um, disenchantment with the NFL, and I'll tell you why as a Bengals fan, lifetime Bengals fan, is that the Bengals did the right thing. They showed a ton of class, and the response was that, the all, and you said one out of 32 teams would be upset, but they didn't have to be. The, the, there didn't have to be anyone because the whole coin flip thing and, you know, the seating with if we do end up playing the Bills, I don't think it's going to matter. I think we might be able to go in there and beat them anyway. But my point was that they managed to make all kinds of exceptions for every other team except for the Bengals. And that's the reason why the Bengals fans were upset. I mean, it, it's not that, you know, they could have played a neutral site game for the AFC, uh, you know, for the two versus three game, if, if that's what it came down to. It, I just don't – that's the part that people didn't understand – we, had a, we go by winning percentage, except if it's the Bengals, then we'll do a coin flip.
2: Like, I mean, I in, in my viewpoint, Joe, and I understand the Bengals' argument is, hey, the rules say the winning percentage, and you're not going by winning percentage here. There's an easy way to do this. I mean, the NFL is saying, like, hey, this game wasn't played, which affects everyone's winning percentages, and so we're going to find a way to do this because some of these teams have played more games than others. And so the winning percentages are affected by that as well. I, I don't know... I mean, I'm not sure that there was a scenario. We had gone through so many different scenarios and so many things that the NFL could try to do, and it seemed like no matter any way they were going to slice that pie, somebody was going to be slightly more you know, messed over in the situation. So sure.
3: But one thing you could have done was included Cincinnati in the three team conversation about the neutral site game, rather than just saying Buffalo, Kansas city gets a neutral site. You could have also said, yeah. And if Cincinnati plays Kansas city, that's also a neutral site game. They I could mean, do have done think that?
2: that. The NFL had like a vendetta against the Bengals? though. What would be the purpose of that?
3: No, it's just a fair gripe if you're a Cincinnati fan. You're sitting there saying, we were up 7-3, we were at home, there's a chance we win that game, and if we do, we've already beaten Kansas City. How come the Bills get the opportunity to tie the Chiefs and then play on a neutral, but we don't have the opportunity to play on a neutral? That's how any fan base would react in that situation, fair or not. It's why they're called fanatics. They're not called uh, high-level intellectuals. That No one's sitting there slicing and dicing every single angle. And let me make it clear. I'm not putting anyone down. I am one of these fanatics as well. I don't think at all with my head when it comes to this stuff. But the reality is, you know, if you're a fan of the Bengals, you have to look at this situation and say, yeah, we kind of got jobbed a little bit.
2: So we have one minute left. We've got to get to some of these picks, though, Joe, because apparently all of the teams, all of the shows, rather, are now competing against one another here on ESPN Radio with our picks for this weekend. So we got to quickly go through these because you and I have to come up with what our picks are going to be. Seahawks at Niners. Niners favored by 10.
3: I like the Niners.
2: I'm okay with that. Chargers at Jags. Chargers favored by two.
3: I like the Chargers.
2: I'm okay with that. Dolphins at Bills. Dolphins favored by thirteen.
3: You Bills favored by thirteen. You can pick that one. I
2: mean Bills. I, I said, Bills favored by thirteen. Thank you for the correction. I like the Bills. Uh, Giants. I hope I'm wrong. Giants and Vikings. Vikings favored by three. I'm with Big Blue
3: here. I like the Giants.
2: Really? Okay. Kind of like you the can Vikings. Have it, hey. We I'm We can not gonna go Giants you if you want. That's fine. We can go Giants if you want to get crazy. Ravens at Bengals. Bengals by uh, favored by seven.
3: We got to take the Bengals because that market move is nine and a half now. So it's value at seven.
2: There you have it. Only one upset coming your way.
1: This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from seven to nine p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel eighty, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.